Hello, you're listening to Five Years Time, the podcast. I'm Darcy. And I'm Harry. We are both feeling really tired today, aren't we? We are. We are absolutely knackered. I think it's like the excitement of getting back to a bit of normality and being able to go places and go back to the gym. I think the gym's tiring me out. Well, to be honest, I can't make that excuse. I haven't been to the gym since it's open. No, you haven't. We are going to go tomorrow, are we? Yeah. Yeah, you put me through my paces tomorrow, I'm sure. To be fair, you do play golf for, what, six hours a day? Yeah. And I am up at six most days. That is a lot of walking. So I am knackered. So, round two of... What is this game round called? Round two? Oh, I thought you were saying round two of in meaning episodes. No, round two of this um, yes. song game. We'll come up with a... I don't think it needs a name. It doesn't need a name. <laughs> okay, I'll go first this week because yeah. you went first last week and we want to be fair. Don't look. I won't look. Okay, ready? I don't need to look. Oh, I was right. just going easy on you last week. Mm-hmm, sure. Ready? Is the title one of the words? I'm not sure if I'm allowed to give away those kind of clues. <laughs> okay, right, so I'm going to have a guess. We can't just sit here humming all afternoon, darling. <laughs> is it the next word? Because I don't know what the next word is. Um, no. Sending a message to you? No. By Sam Smith. You're going to really kick yourself when. Is it prayer? No, that's another one. We have listened to this album back to back like for for years. You're going to be fuming at yourself. Are you ready to? Him? No, that's another one. Are you ready to admit defeat? Because we need, kind of need to move on. We've got an interview to do. <laughs> one last song. Oh. I was like, just screamed. Only took a minute to did get it. Did you see it? You saw it. I didn't. Yes, you I didn't. did. You liar. I didn't. Don't lie to I didn't see steps. it. I didn't see it. Are you Tweedy? I promise. Swear on my life. I swear on your life. I did not see it. No fingers are crossed. Fine, I believe you. <laughs> well done. High five. All right. So I reckon that calls me a winner for the day because you're not going to get mine. Are you ready? Yeah. You know the song. Is it called Crazy? No. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yes, it's called Crazy. Oh my god. Boom, 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 boom. Did you think I wouldn't know that song? I knew you knew the song, but I didn't know if you get what it's called straight away. So that's a draw, two one to me. <sighs> Until next time you can try and overtake me. Yeah, next time I'm going hard. I am very excited about today's interview, but I think I always say that. Yeah, yeah, you do. But I think it's always pretty justified. It is, it is, it's very exciting. But I think today hits home a little bit more with you, doesn't it? 
Yes, our guest today is in the performing world. She is the first soloist in the Royal Ballet Company. The prima ballerina. Indeed. She went to White Lodge, which is the Royal Ballet School in the middle of Richmond Park. Yeah, if you haven't seen it or come across it, you need to you need to go to Richmond Park for a walk because it is incredible. Oh, it's just the most beautiful building. Mm. I'm a bit obsessed. So today we are chatting to Claire Calvert. Hello. Hi Claire, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, very good, thank you. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Oh, no problem. I'm very excited. (laughs) Oh, we're so excited. We can't wait to hear about your journey to becoming, well, a prima ballerina. I mean, it's just amazing. We can't wait to hear about your life as a ballerina as it stands now and maybe some of the difficulties that you faced this year and how you've overcome them. But before we do that, as cheesy as it sounds, we do like to find out about the journey. And for people that don't know much about you, you started your ballet journey at White Lodge, which is the Royal Ballet School in Richmond Park. Would you mind telling us a bit about that and kind of how you got into ballet? Did you start really young? Were you a natural straight away? You know, it's a question that we get asked quite a lot as dancers, ballet dancers, particularly, I think, because it is seen as something that you have to start training very seriously when you're like quite young. And it's actually something that we're discussing at the moment among colleagues and stuff like that. Like, is it necessary that we need to start like so super, super young? You know, like I started doing ballet when I was probably about two or three but obviously that was you know just being in a room with other little kids moving around and, and good that toes naughty toes yeah exactly <laughs> like that but I actually was doing some exams at the time and in the report that I got the examiner wrote that she thought that I should audition for junior associates which is like a scheme that the Royal Ballet School had set up Um, as a monthly class in different areas of England because being in London you're generally more connected to you know the Royal Ballet School and then uh, Royal Ballet Company but you know for people that live in the rest of England this was obviously like a scheme that was set up for that so off the back of that I auditioned for this scheme which I did for three years through that scheme being like oh you should audition for White Lodge kind of thing which you know obviously a filter through. In that scheme in in JA how serious is that audition? Yeah I guess it's a bit more serious yeah I'd never done anything like that before and I remember actually (laughs) we were driving in the car to the audition and my mum when we were already like halfway there or something was like oh do you have all your stuff and I was like and I didn't have I forgot my <laughs> leotard, my shoes, my everything. And luckily my a friend of mine that was going to the audition, she was in one that was ahead of me. So I ended up putting on all her stuff to go to the audition. Like, oh no. But yeah, no. I mean, I guess I don't think I personally took it really seriously, but I guess there would have been an element of looking for talent to become a professional. And what about your family? Did they know how? I mean, now I guess you realise that that probably was quite a serious step to take. Did your family realise that? Did they have a performing background or was it something that they were quite keen for you to do? Or was that quite go with the flow as well? Yeah, I guess it's funny because my auntie was actually 
professional ballet dancer and then also went into musical theatre in Germany and she trained at the RAD over here um, before going to Germany and spending her whole career there. But I never, I never felt like my parents were like, oh, you're going to be like Auntie Janet and be mm. a ballet dancer. Like parents, I feel like I've always been very supportive, but mm. they've never sort of gone, oh yeah, I think you should do this or you're really good at this when like at a young age it sounds like it was a much more natural like yeah progression yeah I feel like it was very natural and even I remember the day that my parents got a letter saying that I got into the Royal Ballet School I remember coming home and there was like a balloon on top of like the doorway bit before going in and they were like oh you got in and we were like okay <laughs> <laughs> and then I just went I don't know it was weird like obviously quite a long time ago now and you know when you're that young 11 years old this is my opinion I don't really think that anyone can kind of make that like life-changing career to like this is what I'm going to do like they can in the sense of like wanting to do it but also there is so much that goes on from that age until you know even starting a professional career at 18 you don't know how your body's going to change, like whether you're going to still enjoy it, whether like all these things, like, you know, you're so, so young. I'm very similar to you. I mean, I think it's probably a bit less intense than White Lodge, but I actually went to performing arts school at the age of of 11, full-time musical theatre school. So I guess it's very similar to you. Like I always had this love of dancing and singing and acting, but you can't, like you say at 11, say, right, I'm going to be in this school. I'm definitely going to do this as a job it's just something that you love and you want to pursue and learn as much as you can you know like children do it's just a learning yeah and I guess that's the like what I think is so tricky about our world is that there is that real 50 50 thing of having the physical ability and talent and having that love and joy Mm -hmm. And that performance side of it as well, that artistic side of it that has to somehow marry up with, you know, actually being able to do the physical side of it as well. And so I think that's what sets it aside maybe from other sort of um, physical things like sports like football or athletics Mm -hmm. or things like that like you don't have to do it with a smile on your face and look like you're having a nice time or tell a story you know or these kind of things at the same time as doing it and that's what we have to do on top of like the strength and technique of Mm -hmm. actually doing ballet definitely and so in your case when you went to school at the age of 11 that also meant leaving home so how was that aspect of it? Did you find that quite difficult? Were you very close to your family? Or did you kind of just as an 11 year old manage to just switch it off and, you know, enjoy this new experience? So we'd only moved to where where my parents live now two years before I went to White Lodge. I feel like I obviously had friends that I was at school with, but it was only like a year, you know, with more people. And I feel like what I realize now my sort of coping mechanism with the being away from home was that it was easier for me just to stay so I didn't really go home at weekends or things like that I obviously went home in holidays but it was the going there and back part 
I found that really difficult. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'll just stay here for the weekend. And also I think that's actually when you, as young kids being all together, that's when you really, you know, the weekends are where the like tight bonds Mm -hmm. come in, I think with people where, you know, you're spending that captive time, like, what should we do? I don't (laughs) like try and shave your legs okay. <laughs> you know like crazy stuff that you do when you're you know learning around other kids and um we've we've come across white lodge in richmond park and it looks well I'm slightly it looks obsessed. incredible oh my god i just think it's the most it's beautiful amazing place. So, uh, for anyone who hasn't seen it they need to they definitely need to go to richmond park yeah, and see it's definitely it. worth a visit it's in the middle of a park isn't it in an amazing <laughs> building but as such a young kid how was that i don't know how was that living situation yeah i mean it was weird, like, because, you know, when they locked the park gates at night, we were just in there, like, you know, sleeping. <laughs> and, like, it is weird. And to think, you know, obviously the times that the park is open is seasonal. So as, again, like what I was saying about the weekends is if you're leaving on a Saturday after class, so, like, one thirty, you travel to where you have to go, and then the next day the park gates might shut at four o'clock. So you have to be back. So it's literally like almost not even, you know, 24 hours that you actually get and you spend most of it in the car. You basically go home, have dinner, sleep, and then think about coming back the next day. Did anyone ever get trapped outside the gates? They did have this, which also was, I mean, to me, a really traumatic memory because they do this thing where they pick people up from Richmond Station with a minibus that has keys to get in. And I did it once and I just remember all these kids crying, <laughs> crying and oh. crying. They didn't want to leave their parents. And I was like, to myself, I was like, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> 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 Horrible. Oh. Literally like just, you know, because some people like there were definitely people that were really, really homesick, like really, really homesick. Yeah, that's understandable. Um, yeah. Well, especially so, at that yeah. age. Mm. Yeah. I was just like, keep away from the emotion. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just stay here and ignore it. But yeah, but it's amazing, amazing, amazing building. And I feel very lucky to have been there and experienced, um, you know, living in such an amazing place. It's yeah. amazing. And so what about the training? My mind just plays wonders with me on what goes yeah. on in that amazing place so what was it like I mean not day to day but kind of the training maybe year to year a little rough guide so the first five years we're at White Lodge and that's 50 50 ish with <laughs> academics because we go up to doing our GCSEs and things and I guess like yeah pretty long days and then we had like prep which is our homework time from like seven till eight or something. And then after White Lodge, you then audition for the upper school, which is now located opposite the Royal Opera House. There's this amazing bridge called the Mm. Bridge of Aspirations that connects the upper school to the Royal Opera House where the company is. It was originally in Barons Court because that's also where the company as mm-hmm. in the Royal Ballet Company, used to train. And then they would travel up to the Opera House because before they refurbished the Opera House, there was not enough space to rehearse and work there all day. Okay. So when the Opera House reopened in 1999, 2000, which was the year that I actually started at White Lodge, the whole idea was that they wanted to eventually bring up school to have that same closeness of being able to see the company. And so then at upper school, it was much more geared around 
training for ballet professionally. So did you say you had to audition from White Lodge to get into the upper school? And I think I heard you say somewhere as well that each year they can ask you to leave in White Lodge and the upper school. And God, I that just, must be daunting. Yeah, I just wanted to know like how that kind of felt, as especially as a really young person, maybe watching some of your friends leave or things like that. It's quite a big mental challenge to take on as such a young child. Huge. I mean, I could go on for ages about the things that I think we could address a little bit more about the things that you have to deal with at that age in that Mm. kind of situation because it's not only like you you get marks you get like you know so there's always that oh who got the top and who only just got through and obviously then you're making more and more deeper connections with these people as family basically Mm. and then someone's told that they don't have another year and they go and I guess as well dealing with that is kind of like sometimes you f- would feel guilty or feel bad like because you don't want that for that person but also then at the same time you're like happy that you got through mm. and and I think that's you know there's often been sort of idea around ballet dancers that everyone's just in it for themselves I don't think that I ever really found that at the school because you know you're literally growing up together and yeah you might have that probably more that sibling relationship where you might fall out or argue about things that are nothing to do with doing ballet (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you know waiting for that letter to come to find out whether and also because you know you the older you get and the longer you stayed there that's then making a decision like are you going to audition for another school is it that actually you're not good enough to make it so they're trying to tell you to stop training to be a ballet dancer but also if you've come that far if you've got to 16 can it can you be that bad that you can't have a career that that blows my mind you've done all that training and then you're suddenly not good enough that just seems really strange to me yeah it is very strange there were people in my year that they sent them for x-rays to see if they were going to grow anymore like in case because they were too small you know things like that like Mm. yeah crazy things so you get into the upper school that must have been amazing you get to continue this exciting journey what were the changes I guess there were new people coming in from different schools Mm. and things like that yeah different schools different countries it was a whole different kettle of fish (laughs) like it was you know we were used to our little rural white lodge in the middle of Richmond Park and suddenly we were like literally living and training like in central London you know crazy um, <laughs> that's literally one one to the other isn't it yeah middle of a yeah, park and like, literally one to, like, like literally from you know taking your laundry to a room and putting the darks in like colors in one and whites in the other to like oh here's your water bill like you have to pay it we were like (laughs) real life oh no (laughs) oh my god um so like but you know I think you learn a lot from those kind of things and you know I've been paying council tax and paying rent and paying things since I was like 16 years old in probably one of the most expensive cities to live in (laughs) you know again like all experience it was more of a this is the world like Mm. trying to be a professional dancer rather than Mm. like this is just us from White Lodge and predominantly England this was like you're now in with the rest of the world um and it's a little bit less now but 
really the only way into the Royal Ballet Company is either through the school or through a particular competition called the Prix de Lausanne, which offers an apprenticeship, which you can then be told whether they want to keep you or not. Um, or you have instances like one of our top, top prima ballerinas now, Marinella Nunes. She got a job at the company, but she was too young to start working. So she went to the school for a bit just because like she couldn't wow. start working with the company yet because she was that good and still <laughs> is that good. And um, sorry, and sorry, I'm just she's so excited. <laughs> <laughs> Can't hold it in. Did you just love your time there? Like, were there, I don't know, particular highs or a favorite class? Or I don't know, sorry, these sounds like a lot of questions, but did you do other other techniques as well? Did you do maybe contemporary classes or was it kind of ballet strictly only? Yeah, we did a bit of contemporary, and at White Lodge, we actually did Irish dancing, Scottish oh. dancing. It was almost like done as a bit of a formality, really, I imagine, so that it wasn't like just pigeonholing everyone into ballet. And also, I think, oh, we also did Greek dancing in, in year seven, which was wow. hilarious. Yeah, like, and I think it was more doing other kind of dance because sometimes ballet can be quite strict and not that mm -hmm. other dance forms aren't, but teaches you to like other ways to move yeah. if anything I think we should probably do more because especially now like in ballet companies even we do a lot more contemporary stuff mm. than 50 years ago whatever so we probably could have done with doing <laughs> a few more contemporary classes in our time but yeah no I mean I loved it for many reasons I love it because it's given me the career that I have now and have loved but a, a huge part of it for me is the people that I am still best friends with now that like, you know, I would never have even met probably because we're not all from the same area or things like that. And I think, you know, that's all, they're all part of what's made me who I am. I think it's something that I also realized recently because um, I actually spent the first lockdown back at my parents and I was there for like nearly three months. That's the longest that I've stayed with my parents since I was 11. Wow. wow. And like I realised now that I did probably have a bit of a disconnect from them without sort of realising that I never communicate with them more than a phone call or they're here for the weekend to watch a show and then they're gone again you know so really my you know childhood to adulthood was really with my best friends like that was yeah. you know we were each other's mom dad brother sister mm -hmm. everything so yeah actually going back to stay with my parents a bit um over that time I feel like we have connected a bit more and that's been a huge positive for me that's come out of this um, lockdown time but it's kind of hard to describe sometimes like I feel like it's it sounds really like corny or like cliche but I don't know what I would do without them all now you've come through this way not saying you didn't have a choice wasn't like it would be a bad way to say it but that was kind of the way you went into it almost like do you wish you had a more more of a normal life in a way or you know, it sounds like you've loved your life. It, it sounds like a kid's dream in a way. It's funny because my sister, she 
lived at home until she was I think 16 or 18 maybe and then came down to London to to go to London Studio Centre and train in musical theatre there. Oh, wow. oh nice. <laughs> I mean, she didn't um, pursue it in the end, but she was obviously, when I was at White Lodge, I would go home in um, like the holidays, Easter, Christmas, whatever. And like, I've always found doing makeup and stuff interesting anyway, but I would like do her hair and makeup for going out. She was two years younger than me. And then I'd stay at home. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like out with her friends and doing all that, like, whereas I just... I don't know it's really weird like I guess I could have gone with her but they're not they weren't my friends and as we got older we did a bit more of that together but I definitely when we were at White Lodge we were very sort of like you know never had a drink never like done any of this stuff and that's why also like it was quite big when we all moved into central London and were living and training around there it was quite like oh I can just go into this shop and buy what I want <laughs> like you know like you know not just prepared meals and things like that so talking about kind of like a social life in that upper school and your eyes are kind of open to this new London world I guess are you able to have a social life or is your lifestyle quite strict or your schedule is so busy that that's kind of not really possible training to be a ballet dancer or being a ballet dancer your lifestyle is based around that. So if you have a two-day weekend, which doesn't happen that often, you could go out for dinner and have a few drinks on the Friday night and, you know, you don't have to worry that you've got a show or or something the next day. But there's no doubt that you make life decisions around, do you have this class tomorrow? Do you have mm-hmm. rehearsal tomorrow? Do you have six performances this week so probably not a good idea to do this or do that Mm. so those kind of decisions just they do impact your life because you end up not doing very much else (laughs) um and not because of lack of wanting to but the sort of coupled with the anxiety that you might have or the added nerves because you're like oh maybe I shouldn't have stayed up that extra 10 minutes to finish watching because I'm going to be so tired tomorrow that like is literally ridiculous to be honest I completely feel your pain I felt the same way when I was training and we used to get our timetable the night before and so you could never plan to do anything and I think Harry just couldn't we met in my third year and he just couldn't understand why like you know oh next week let's go out for dinner on Wednesday but I literally can't I don't know if I've got ballet at eight or ten or whatever time I'm pretty sure they did on purpose that you couldn't go out to be honest (laughs) probably I think you're probably it was a good right way there. around it. It kind of worked, <laughs> didn't it? I can imagine it's almost like a test, isn't it, going to the upper school? Because obviously, if you've gone, like, I don't know about the other people that didn't come from White Lodge, but if you've come from White Lodge, which is, well, you know, you don't really have a choice to go out, do you, being in the park? But mm-hmm. then you go to the city. Were there people that found this new freedom in a way and did struggle? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. To to the point that now that's not an option at the upper school. They're they're housed now all three years oh. because oh, wow. I think they found it yeah. maybe a bit too. I mean, it is a big thing. Like I would say there needs to be maybe more of a, a balance for sure. But also, like I feel like the things that I learn that is so important for adult life mm. um, and working life. You know, if you're still in a situation where you get things, well, I don't think they have things done for them, but like they obviously have like washing machines provided. They don't pay gas or electricity or like, you know, 
those kind of things that when I then got my job at Royal or if I'd have had to go anywhere else I would have done it before or known or understood mm. you know that you have to do these kind of things so I think there is a, a fine line I don't know if they ever saw it as a test but it definitely you could see how some people you know definitely found ways of you know having a good time or like trying different things or whatever and that obviously does affect then how you can progress or not I think everyone I I can't speak on behalf of everyone but I guess that everyone comes to that point in their life where they have to make priorities don't they and I Mm. guess in the ballet or performing world you have to make them a little bit sooner and it's just just the way it is isn't it yeah yeah was there quite like not I wouldn't say rivalry but going from White Lodge where you were all like a family I feel like you're trying to get all the dish (laughs) I just find it so amazing like you look at the whole ballerina kind of situation and it does look very not like cutthroat but you know you've got to be so good haven't you I think Harry, sorry, I think Harry's version of ballet is like the, the Black Swan movie. Is yeah, that about the is. extent of <laughs> All of that stuff is true. That happens. Just not all to one person at the same time. <laughs> so not one person has a crazy mum and like a creepy teacher or director and has like feathers going out of them. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like in any profession that you train professionally in, there's always going to be someone that has like a mum or a dad that's like pushing them to do this or the other Mm. and that or that kind of kid that has that naturally in them one of the things that you know you're always taught in any kind of performing job or whatever is that you have to be confident you have to look like you're confident and sometimes that becomes you know the the main objective you know if I'm this confident I'm the best person, which I don't think most people, I don't think they ever think that about themselves. It's like a a persona or something. A persona that, mm. you know, people are sort of ad, like advised, I don't know, like <laughs> to, to, to have, to make it. And actually, when I watch people, what I see is when people are really comfortable with themselves and know who they are and understand who they are, what they're good and bad not we shouldn't say good or bad things what are like you know strengths and weaknesses strengths and weaknesses you know (laughs) are then you see a confident performance because you know it has to be genuine you can't Mm -hmm. just sort of like pretend that you're otherwise it ends up I always think it ends up making that person actually a bit crazy because like you're like (laughs) battling with this like oh I'm so confident I'm so confident but like you're not and so you're having this internal Mm. dialogue with yourself all the time and that eventually like I don't think you can keep that up for a long time but you know of course there is you know there's always that situation where you're like oh that person always gets everything and (laughs) I want to do that and you know casting is always like oh that person gets cast and everything like being in a company like ours where mostly everyone is at a top 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 level it's literally a matter of like that day someone decided that they wanted someone with brown hair to do the role I don't know like it's literally and I think that competitiveness is 
it's really the care you have, isn't it? You want it so badly yeah. that you can't help but just feel a bit disappointed or disheartened when someone else gets that part. It doesn't mean that you're not happy for them, but, you know, you wanted it yourself. Yeah, it's, I think it's like in personal, unpersonal rivalry. So it's not about the person necessarily. It's like the wanting to do maybe what other people are getting to do but not because mm. you don't want that person to do it it's just that you want to do it and there's maybe any space for one person so you're like well obviously I would rather that it was me but yeah I you know I don't want it to not necessarily be other people but it's hard to deal with definitely getting into the royal ballet that's so you did your three years training let's jump straight into the royal ballet do you have any questions about yeah so <laughs> when darcy said it they are i mean i felt a bit like a div like she was like oh and then you know you go to the company and i'm like company what like <laughs> tesco's or amazon but what can you like explain how it works and you know if you had a goal or like a plan in a way from upper school then going into a company looks like and, and what is a company so in upper school the third year because a levels are done it's like an extra year and basically that year you spend getting ready auditioning um for jobs and there are companies all over the world australia america europe um so you're basically looking for like places that you think you will be well suited or you would like to go. Royal Ballet, not an open audition, but obviously because of the connection with the mm -hmm. school, you also work with the company on Opera House Productions as extras or sometimes in the pieces if they're down on people um, or people are injured or things like that. And so... If you were training as a footballer and you're in your final year of training and you're going to work out which which club you're going to go with, I guess in football I assume that it's a bit more the other way around where the clubs approach the people that they want. I'm, I'm not entirely sure, but sometimes seems like they're like, oh, yeah, we want that person, which I guess with Royal, that's kind of what happened with me was I got offered a job with Dutch National which is in Amsterdam and the director of the school went to the Royal Ballet Company and said, Claire has been offered a job. Should she take it or do you want her? And they said, no, we would like her. So then I turned down the other job um, and went with them. And were you expecting that? Like, did you kind of have a quiet confidence or were you just amazed? No, what was crazy was that the director of Dutch National just happened to be in England and he came to watch class and a pas de deux class and he just offered me the job then wow. so I didn't even go out and do any auditions which is not very often that a director would come to the school you normally have to go to the country to do the audition and that was in the first half term of third year so before Christmas even I already had accepted my job with the company and I did actually work a lot with the company that year like I had my own place in some of the productions and things like that so I kind of got a good sense of the huge shift that was to come <laughs> <laughs> to school life to company life um which 
again was another shift on that same sort of feeling of like going from white lodge to upper school where there was like that kind of freedom to the point where now joining the company you have the freedom of like well you don't have a teacher telling you what to do or like you mm-hmm. know you have class where you the mm-hmm. teacher gives the class and you train yourself warm up yourself a typical sort of pre-covid day was class at 10 30 till 11 45 and then rehearse from 12 till 6 30 um and if there was a show you finish at 5 30 and then you have two hours before the show 7 30 to 10 30 it's a long old day and just i mean i'm i think i'm pretty confident saying it but is the royal ballet the, the best company one of the best companies in the world yeah mm-hmm. It's just amazing. Just just so everyone knows <laughs> just been how there. good just so everyone knows how good you actually are. You could say by personal preference, some people, you know, would say Marinsky in Russia because they like the style of Russian dancers or but we we are definitely up there. <laughs> <laughs> like it's crazy, you know, obviously having this year of not really doing stuff. We don't even really go to the stage as much any anymore but sometimes there are little areas that you can see it and I've been performing on that stage since I was 11 because I was (laughs) one of the kids in the Nutcracker and stuff like that and it still doesn't ever not amaze me just the auditorium the stage that's so lovely that you still have that appreciation for your place of work when you've been there like you Mm -hmm. said since you're 11 that's just amazing yeah I mean you even just like our rest area which is like some sofas between the studios the view that we have is just like I think one of the best views in the country really like it just Mm. really or in London anyway because I know there's lots of nice green areas but this is obviously (laughs) not green but like just you you can see the London eye all the way like it's just amazing and yeah we feel very lucky that in this last couple of lockdowns we've been still able to train this time because we got grouped in with elite sports oh that's brilliant and you've had some amazing experiences over your time haven't you I mean I've just heard little bits about them so maybe you could tell us a little bit more one of them I saw a training video with you and Darcy Bustle I think it was the lilac fair was it that the lilac fairy yeah I mean what was that like yeah so lilac fairy was like one of the first solo roles that I did when I joined the company you know, I've been doing that role for over 10 years now. And I think uh, I didn't really realise at the time, well, I did, but also now more so looking back, like what a big moment that was because I was really young and it's not an easy role. And I can still say that because I still, to this day, (laughs) it's just a beast of a solo. But um, (laughs) yeah, I mean, I also rehearsed for my first sugar plum show with Darcy and things like that and she was definitely always like someone you know having been through similar journey to me going through White Lodge and into the upper school and stuff like and she's just actually just such a nice person as well and you know she has so much to give and to learn from and yeah it was amazing so yeah it was I think it was me Darcy and then Monica Mason just chatting about being a lilac fairy. <laughs> As you do. <laughs> As you do. Um, I mean, this might be quite a hard question. Could you pick one, like, highlight of your career so far? Mm. It's so hard to pick because so many things mean and feel like 
different, especially as you progress and do different things and get to work on different aspects of, you know, performing, because I think that's the thing is that like each role is so different and you get different things. You'll do something like Queen of the Willies and it's just like the biggest achievement to get through it because it's so tiring. But then doing something like Hermione from Winter's Tale that Christopher Wilden created, like, telling a story and doing something so emotional like that is also amazing feeling to do on stage as well so it's if I was gonna say one thing I guess maybe I would say I had a quite a bad knee injury and I was off for nine months and the first show I did back was Serenade which is a ballet by George Balanchine which is also very, very, very hard. So it was a big achievement to come back strong enough to do a role like that. And I think that was like a real point for me where I feel like I grew and evolved a lot to sort of make more steps in the rest of my career kind of thing. If you've been training since you're 11 and three months is your biggest break, how was having nine months not being able to, you know, train properly, I'm guessing? I bet that was horrible for you. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of like out of my control because like there was no, no other option than having surgery because like a piece of bone and cartilage just fell off my knee. Oh, but... no. I heard you go into graphic <laughs> detail does. in another podcast, <laughs> Claire, I'm going to have to ask you not to do that. Yeah, <laughs> no, it, was, it was a bit hectic. Um, but I think it taught me actually a lot about myself because I hadn't had like that much time off from dancing but also for the first time probably since I was 11 I could actually make my own schedule up so if I wanted to spend six hours in the gym rehabbing I could and so I found that quite sort of liberating that I could be like right this is my goal I'm going to do this I'm going to do that and and actually do it for myself rather than just being told oh this is what time class is this is when you have to do this. This is when your rehearsal is. I could really control that myself. And, you know, they'd said that it would take at least a year to get back. And I got back in nine months. <laughs> you sound like a super, super motivated person naturally, but that was a challenge that you'd never faced before being out for nine months. Did you have to work on your mental health at all? And I suppose, do you have any advice for people that go through something similar where they have to find that within strength to kind of say, I can do this, I can get through this, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, I think I tried to also couple it in with, you know, what other things could I work on in this time? Because, you know, when we're in full work mode, you don't always have that much time to say, work on other things that you might want to improve on or things like that. So I used that idea of sort of what other things can I make better from this can I work on like my extensions or can I work on you know my jumps or my turns as well as when I'm rehabbing back but I think I'm motivated when I am a motivated person I'm a very motivated person but if there's not the goal there to be like acknowledged and reached I can then get very disheartened mm-hmm. um, and find it very difficult like as an example this last year I'm motivated to a certain point but then sometimes there are days where I'm like 
what am I even doing? Like, what are we mm. doing? Because like, <laughs> know the feeling. You know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, it's, and I think everyone has that to like a certain extent, but you know, it's that thing of we have to keep doing class because as soon as we can do start rehearsing and doing shows, that's what our technique is based on. But sometimes we're just like, are we really just doing class for no, no it's not no reason, but sometimes it feels like for no reason. But yeah, I mean, mental health stuff is, it's amazing that we talk about it so much more now, but it is such an individual thing. But, you know, one of the things that I sort of said earlier is I think really like trying to learn and understand yourself and what is important to you and trying less to be worried about what other people think or what other people's views are, because if it's important to you, then you should do that or work on that or be that person and I think as well sort of having like little obtainable goals you know rather than thinking like too long term also helps you to then be able to acknowledge oh I did that and that's good and feel positive yeah 100% and I suppose moving forward I think theatres open on the 12th of April is that right oh 12th of April was, yet, was yesterday. Yeah, I was going to say, Sorry. theaters aren't open yet. <laughs> oh, it's been a long day. Yeah, they're excited. 17th of, of May. So is there any plans for the Royal Ballet? Yeah, so we have started rehearsing now for three, like, triple bill style programs, which means it's not a full-length ballet, which is usually a story ballet in three or four acts. This is like each act is a completely separate piece. So, yeah, we have three of those, one in May, one in June, one in July. So, yeah, that's what our hope is. In July, then we go on our summer holiday, (laughs) (laughs) the end of our season, and then we come back and hopefully we're going to come back next season and it will be a fully normal season, which has actually already been announced what we're doing next season. Yeah, hopefully, as long as everything goes to plan with this next phase after the very exciting, much excitedness of this phase, (laughs) (laughs) we're hopeful that we'll get something in this season. Oh, I'm so pleased. I can't wait to see theatres open again. And oh, I'm so excited. Mm. (laughs) I think they're doing, they're streaming some of them as well online. So, because I think it's going to be socially distanced audience, but they're also doing some of the shows they're going to stream it so you can watch it at home as well oh, oh wow good. where's the best place to find this information i on guess instagram on the royal opera house website or instagram is very handy for those things as well the opera house has a instagram obviously the royal opera house is the royal ballet and the opera yeah all the information is on there You just got um, engaged, didn't you? Congratulations! Congratulations. Oh, thanks, thanks. And your fiance is also a ballet dancer. Yes, he's principal dancer with um, the Royal. He's actually Australian. He had a different journey to me, but obviously then joined the upper school and actually went to Birmingham Royal Ballet before coming back down here to join as a soloist, I think, about six years later. Yeah, I mean, we don't really see each other that much at work. We do quite different things, and uh, we would mostly not really dance together because on point I'm, like, a little bit taller than him, and (laughs) athletically in ballet, like, 
it tends to be you want the guy to look taller than the woman. We have done a couple of things together. We were supposed to do one thing before the first lockdown, so it was a bit disappointing we didn't get to do that. Mm. But, yeah, so we just go about a day and then come back and rant about it all evening (laughs) (laughs) yeah I was gonna ask it must be quite nice to have that kind of conversation or if you're worried Mm. or if you want help with something you've got that professional eye for each other to say oh I don't think that's quite right and you really care about each other and want each other to do brilliantly yeah no definitely I think that is for our personalities it also works because we are able to go you know what we're not going to talk about that anymore because (laughs) we're not going to like waste our life talking about stuff that we can't control or Mm. and I think we as a couple have a good balance in that do you have a song that either I mean maybe it's one you've danced to maybe it's a song that you put on when you're really happy or a childhood memory that it reminds you of a song that really resonates with you for some reason I mean probably the whole Maroon 5 album (laughs) (laughs) I remember that came out when we were at White Lodge and we just used to play it all the time that's definitely a is there um, one particular one that stands out to you? I'm not going to sing it for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not going to embarrass myself by even trying to hum it or anything. But that word, it goes like, she will be loved. I was thinking oh, she will be loved. Like I love yeah. that one. Five, don't you? Is that, is that the title? Is that the title? Yeah, yeah, she will be loved, yeah. Yeah, that one is a, yeah, we love that. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on that one. Yeah, you do like a bit of Maroon 5, yeah, don't you? Yeah, I love it. If you had to give some advice to your younger self, what what would it be? My advice to my younger self would definitely be something along the lines of, and this might sound crazy to you because when I talk, like I think I do come across like I'm quite positive and things like that. But I probably would say like believe in yourself more and be more confident in your ability and your self because I think I still struggle with feeling fully confident and I don't know I feel like maybe if I'd have just like been like you know what you are you and you have a lot to give I would have spent a lot less time feeling bad about myself I Mm. would say you know you got this girl (laughs) (laughs) you know and it's easy it's easy to look back in hindsight and think that like obviously hindsight is always one of those annoying things where you're like oh yes that could have Mm. been a difference if I'd have done that (laughs) but I think yeah really trying to find that way of being confident in yourself and your own like and not using other things to validate like casting or Mm. or things like that because it's not always a reflection on you as a professional or as a person that there's so much other stuff that goes on behind the scenes of why it's this person or that person do you feel like that has improved for you as you've gotten older and had more experiences yeah I think so and also the company now is very different to when I joined been there 14 years now and so it's quite a long time like two different directors with different visions for the company for style of dancer and so I think in in lots of ways I feel like I've had my career and now I'm trying to enjoy what I have but that's difficult for me because I am always wanting to strive for more so I think it's it's now dealing with like 
trying to be happy with what I have and the work that I have, but also feeling like I'm appreciated and, and things like that rather than desperate. And I do, I still do desperately want to do a day deal. I still desperately want to do those things, but also knowing that like I'm in this half of my career rather than this half or the middle half, I am more towards the latter end of my career you know it's so hard as a dancer isn't it because you're so young as well like it's just crazy to think that you're in that second half of your career it's just yeah and not because you know I think actually physically I could go on probably for like another 10 years but also it's like it is a lot to have dealt with I think now I realize more than ever mentally to deal with the kind of job that we have and I think like sometimes it is that feeling of like still that feeling of going up to the board and not seeing your name on casting doesn't matter how old Mm -hmm. you get or how long you've done it for it's still like (sighs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) how do you pick yourself up from that like if you you do go in and see that your name is not there and that you really wanted the part or, or thought you would get the part is it quite easy for you to find the motivation I usually go to the gym and squat and that makes me feel a bit better. <laughs> God, I wish that was my coping mechanism yeah, when yeah. I'm sad. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I squatted 70 kilos. It doesn't matter whether I got them out or not. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess like, I try and find other goals to achieve or like come home and paint a wall or like, you know, that is <laughs> for me as well. I'm trying actually more now to also appreciate those other parts of my life because I'm not going to be a ballet dancer forever. And no one wants to be left at the end of it with just like, oh, I had a really amazing career, but I don't have anything else in my life. Mm. That's it. And so, you know, the downside to being in a super focused elitist sport or line of work is that sometimes you're not able to nurture those other parts of you. You know, we we often get asked like, do you have any other hobbies? Like, what do you, what else do you like to do? And I'm just like... (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's trying to now especially you know try and have those things I'm like you know I actually really like doing that as well and that also you know makes me feel good and happy as well well now now you've got a wedding to plan so that should keep you nice and busy (laughs) (laughs) I know exactly so yeah definitely I think that's really like that's really healthy in a way to have like a good a good way to kind of relieve that stress in a way I Mm. think that's that's a great thing that a lot of people probably wish they had more don't they Mm. is there someone that you find inspirational whether that's in ballet or not but someone that you really kind of look up to when I was younger definitely Darcy was someone that I felt like I could relate to in the sense that she was like taller with dark hair and did ballet and (laughs) like sort of and I know it sounds really weird to say because it is also an aesthetic art form you relate to people that look like you as well so you think oh I look like her a little bit or someone might say oh your feet look really like Sylvie's or you know blah 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 and then it's like oh you know you think that that makes you seem like you you could do that as well or you could be like them as well but I just think I feel like you know having being in the Royal Ballet Company the caliber of dancers that we have had and and have and really the people that have inspired me like being in class with some of the like best dancers in the world apart from being like 
(laughs) 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 like um it's really inspiring and you know to see you know people at such top level still striving and working and things like that and I think that's always inspired me a lot and finally Claire we would love to know where do you see yourself in five years time (laughs) 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 yeah I mean I I hope going back with it will be in a non-covid world I think that's like everyone's like hope at the moment and being able to make decisions for ourselves not based on whether we're allowed to go out of our houses or not Mm. um but I think hopefully still performing and still doing ballet but also having like a clear idea of what I'm going to do next because that's obviously an important stage that happens to every dancer because we can't do it until we're 65 (laughs) do you have a kind of idea would you like to do like teaching or could you see yourself going into another area of the arts like acting or trying something new I think I am quite interested in makeup I do my makeup my self for like most things mostly people do their own makeup it's mainly principals that get theirs done if they want it but I always like whatever role I'm doing to do my own it's like part of my process of getting into character or getting in the role and I I have been sort of thinking about that kind of thing and also I I feel like we could have more help in the ballet world not necessarily like psychologists or whatever but maybe sort of more coaching based stuff to deal with you know the ups and downs of our kind Mm. of world and I have sort of been thinking about those kind of things as well but I also have anxiety around school stuff learning (laughs) new things and like like because I just haven't had to do anything like that for so long now so that's my next little (laughs) challenge (laughs) to deal with but but yeah like part of me also like is sort of sometimes you just want a clean break from certain things and just Mm -hmm. remember oh that was my time there and now I'm doing um something different but yeah we'll have to see oh thank you so much Claire I am just I'm in complete awe of you I just think you're (laughs) amazing (laughs) thank you so much for chatting to us it's just been yeah lovely getting to know you Mm. thank you very much for having me Thank you so much, Claire, for your time, energy and honesty. It was great getting to know you. It really was. And like Claire said, if you want to watch any of the Royal Ballet's performances, check out the Royal Opera House website to see when they are coming up. We definitely will be. 100%. (laughs) And thank you so much for listening. Thank you. If you want to keep updated to what we are up to, head over to our Instagram at 5 Years Time The Podcast. See you next Monday. See you later.